0: Hi everyone! Welcome back to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod.
1: And I'm Zach Dosh. You can find me on Twitter at Zachary Dosh. And you're gonna have to forgive me for my voice. I called seven games last weekend, so I'm <laughs> trying to recover here a little bit.
0: So, so you've got Zach that covered a bunch of games, and me who. Is just me, so you'll have to live with what you got, everybody. Um, and, and you may have noticed we did not introduce Greg. Greg is tied up in some uh North Dakota legislature stuff, so he's unable to join us today. The plan was for him to join us, it just didn't work out. So, uh, so we'll just power through it. Greg will be on the interview with Coach Henderson that we have in a little bit here, um, but won't be on for the rest of the podcast. So, Zach, I wanted to start with just the Summit League tournament has just ended. Uh, we just found out today that South Dakota State is a 13-seed playing Providence. We'll cover that in the second half of the podcast, but I wanted to recap the tournament since we hadn't had a chance to chat since then. Uh, anything surprise you? Anything out of the ordinary with the tournament? What did you think of the tournament altogether?
1: You know, I think the only thing that was surprising was just how chalk it was. I yeah. mean, it was, it was very straightforward um you know i i did we predict any games wrong i can't which one did we get any wrong?
0: i don't think so i can't remember. i don't remember so yeah. i can't remember we i think the coin picked South Dakota, so i think we were mm. we were good
1: the coin got it yes yeah so no i mean i i it just it was uh nsu and South Dakota State we're on a collision course and um nope. so really it came down to that that uh conference championship game and you know <clears throat> I I really thought NDSU stood a pretty good chance of beating South Dakota state. And that's not based on any stats or anything like that. That was just kind of on a, just sort of a, a gut instinct a little bit, just in terms of, you know, being a team three times and North Dakota actually having an angle on South Dakota state being their front court. But, you know, I really believe that, you know, the game is obviously lost when South Dakota state's, front court, which was essentially just Douglas Wilson uh, significantly outplayed Grant Nelson and and in particular, Rocky cruiser. Um, It didn't really need to go any further than that. I mean, the door was open and Baylor Shireman had an off game. Luke Apple got hurt, you know? So like the, the door opened and South Dakota state had to guard Grant Nelson with Arians and NDSU couldn't make them pay for whatever reason. Right. Um, in addition, like, like I said, with, with Rocky having a tough game, uh, Greasel, obviously he was elite. He was elite, man. When he's in attack mode like that, he's just developed so much. He's developed yeah. so much. I mean, think about where he was like three years ago and he was not a point guard at all. And now he's an extremely effective one an efficient one. So, I mean, whether that's scoring or distributing the ball, he had a really good game and um, really interesting to see. I mean, like if I would tell you, that NDSU is going to decisively win the point guard matchup and they're going to lose. There's no way you'd believe me. Right. But, uh, you know, Douglas Wilson just took it to him and Rocky just had just, he was just sort of out of sorts. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but you know, even on the defensive end, he just seemed to kind of be just in the wrong place at the wrong time, like the whole game. Um, and like I said, I don't, you know, it could just be bad luck or what, but, um, yeah, so I don't know. Those are just my initial thoughts. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, and and I'll go back to Rocky Cruiser. You know, one for nine, but kind of negated by Baylor Shireman going four for uh, fifteen from the yeah. field, and Grant Grant Nelson. I'll go back to him too. Like I just, I he's young and and still um, growing and and developing as a player, but that's one of the reasons when people say, well, Grant should be on the second team all summit, that kind of stuff. Or, or how could we only have, you know, we're missing players and it's grant, you know, 11 points, eight rebounds. That's fine. But, you know, you can call him the unicorn all you want, but in order to get on to, to, at least for me, some of those, he got on the all tournament team. I didn't put him on there. Um, you know, to be on the all-tournament team, you got to do it night in and night out. Like Sam Greasel was my MVP of the tournament, and they didn't win. Like he just yeah. came out every game and and put it on on the line. I think that's kind of where it comes down to for North Dakota State. Malik harden Hayes had a couple big plays, but his role is so limited. He only played nine minutes. And it's the thing that that makes this South Dakota State team so different from previous years. And this, Coach Henderson talked about when we interviewed him, there's two things. It's the defensive end, the second half of the year, and, you know, in the Mike Dom years, you know who was going to beat you. You don't really know that with this South Dakota State team. Baylor Shireman's the player of the year, but he's also okay with having to, to go to other guys. And that's what I think makes them so dangerous and made them dangerous in this game. Every time it got close and then when North Dakota State took the lead, it's Charlie Easley coming up with the big shot. Nobody thought that was going to happen. So it's just that balance of that South Dakota State team. They played the team that had the best chance to knock them out of the tournament. But they, they're just so balanced and they play so much better on the defensive end than they have the last couple of years.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. We actually had a, a high school team in North Dakota win the state, a championship who was kind of a lot like South Dakota state, you know, like we've never once said that South Dakota is South Dakota state is winning because they have the most talent or, you know, they're just winning every matchup, things like that. They're just the toughest mentally and physically tough team, yeah. uh, in the conference. That's I, I'm pretty confident in saying that. Um, but they figure things out and I think, I don't know, really know how to quantify that but they just find their way through games better than anybody else. Yeah. You know, you see teams like, like NDSU from time to time, they'd run into these roadblocks and it would take them five to eight minutes to figure it out. Well, there's the the drought and that's when you lose. Um, South Dakota state doesn't have that. They, right. they, they figure things out. And if something goes wrong, they fix it, whether that's on offense or the defense really quickly. And that's a combination of, of good players, smart players, and, coaching staffs and things like that but they don't have those periods of time where they they have a you know a five-minute scoring drought or whatnot you know and um so i I just like like i said i wish i had a better way of uh just sort of bundling that up and labeling it something but it's not like a stat that you can point to necessarily um and so yeah they it, it was just another one of those games like i i think i tweeted it out but you know south dakota state they have a way of just getting a lead. You know, not a big lead, but a lead. And then just kind of keeping a team at arm's length, you know, and, so, and nothing that North Dakota State do, could do to really rustle that lead away from them. I mean, they got it down to be tied a couple times. But, I mean, South Dakota State didn't panic. They've been there dozens of times. I mean, you don't win 30 games without that. So, no, just uh, a, a lot of credit to South Dakota State. But, man, that door was open. That door was open yeah. in a way that I did not think it was going to be open. In terms of, you know, South Dakota State shooting a lower than average field goal percentage and, and three-point percentage and Apple getting hurt and, you know, Shireman having an off night. And, and that's exactly – you can't ask for anything more for NDSU. Right. And so, you know, I'm sure they're going to be thinking about it for a while. But, um, you know, that's why SDSU is a great team.
0: And, and you brought it up that just they and, – and Coach Henderson said this as well. It's – they just don't get rattled. and. Mm-hmm. You know, I had asked the question in the interview, and he kind of, you know, didn't say it this way exactly, but this is where the 21 games in a row mm-hmm. helps you. Like, it's a lot of pressure at the end, because you go into the Summit League tournament, you win 20 in a row, you lose number 21, you get to play in the NIT. Well, now you go to where everybody is done after they if they lose. And they've just been there so many times with that pressure of that game having to be a big deal that I I think that helps them a little bit. And you had just said it. It's the fact that they just didn't ever have that game, you know, other than maybe early, early in the season. There were games with North Dakota State where you'd go, I don't know, are they really the second best team? Are -hmm. they really? And then towards the end of the year, they, they started to really show that but Oral Roberts would find its way to number two in our power rankings. Like there were reasons to doubt North Dakota state at different times. And some of that was health and some of, but the consistency of South Dakota state is what made such a difference. I think the question and,
1: I have, and you know, I wish I'd have been a part of the, the interview because I'd ask like, is that something that can be developed or is that something that, that some kids just have it? It seems to me that South Dakota state has a bunch of, kids that just have it. And that's not to take anything away from their coaching staff um, because, you know, clearly the coaching staff does do a lot in terms of developing it, but you know, every coach does a lot in terms of trying to develop mental toughness. Um, But South Dakota State is still the toughest. So, you know, I I know know Coach Henderson would always give the credit to the players, no doubt about it, but I just wonder if there's something more to it or I I don't know. It's interesting, but it's it's very apparent.
0: I did ask that specifically about Baylor, and mm-hmm. and Hendo basically said, like, that's how he's always been. Yeah. Like, uh, kind of said, do you recruit looking for that, or is that something you try to build? And he said that's basically how he's always been, even when he wasn't playing much. And, and you see it. Matt Zimmer tweeted out, you know, late in the game, the championship game against North Dakota State, when Baylor, I think, finished 4 of. 15 or something like that mm-hmm. so it was probably three of 14 before this point that you know he's having an off night but that doesn't mean he won't hit the biggest shot mm-hmm. and what happens The at one point game step back three that you know North Dakota State fans would argue he pushed off Baylor buries it like doesn't matter that he missed a bunch of shots before that and it frankly looked like he was tired like he had played almost the entire game he, You know, he's going to get so much attention. He's going to have to fight for everything he gets. And he finds a way through what looks like, and I'm not saying he was, because what do I know, but looks like he was tired, looks like he was fatigued, and just finds a way for that big shot.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, South Dakota State throughout this entire, at least conference season, wholly unaffected by the result of the last play. Good right. or bad, doesn't matter. And they just kept playing and kept doing what they did. You know, they didn't let the results dictate what they did because they have obviously this ultimate belief in Coach Anderson and what they're trying to do, and um, that's what carried them through. I mean, it's just it's, – it's a good lesson for everybody. It's a good lesson for right. life, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and I would even go as far as to say – so Charlie Easley has a huge championship game. Not yeah. expected by anyone. Yep. But really, you didn't leave that going, I can't believe it was Charlie Easley. Mm-hmm. Because you just, like, everybody's ready. I mean, if he wasn't perfect from the field, he was darn close to it and scored around 15 points, something like that. And if it were, I'll use Oral Roberts, a team that last year, you know, obviously things came together pretty well for them. But if Kareem Thompson does the same thing to carry them through, we're more surprised. There's just something about South Dakota State this year that they rely on each other. They know it could be anybody's moment at any time. I mean, Would you be shocked if, if Matt Detlinger did big things in the NCAA tournament out of nowhere? Because I wouldn't.
1: No. And, and he had a nice little role in the championship game. And, you know, I mean, I bet anything, if we ask the coaching staff of South Dakota State, Charlie Easley is probably a kid that makes like 500 threes a day. He just right. He's that, that type of kid. And so should we be surprised that he makes two or three of them in the conference championship game when he makes 500 every day? No, that's why you right. should shoot him, and it didn't matter that he hadn't shot a whole lot up to that point. It didn't matter. He had right. the confidence through practice.
0: Yep, Yeah, and, and as far as the rest of the tournament, I mean, it pretty, went pretty chalky. South Dakota <laughs> did beat Kansas City, um, but that wasn't shocking to me. I could see that going either way. It just kind of went the way it was gonna go, and it just felt like, especially in the semifinals, like both teams, South Dakota State and North Dakota State, absolutely took care of their opponents. It it made you wonder why we ever doubted that it was gonna be those two teams ever. Um, and and then kind of the same thing, like at the end, at the ch- after, as South Dakota State's raising the banner or the trophy, you're going, yeah, I'm not surprised. Like that's just kind of what we thought was going to happen. Yeah. The only,
1: like the only thing that you could maybe hold against, or like, if you are trying to say, Oh, South Dakota state didn't get it done. Or I don't think they can get it done. It would be like, can they really not falter or crack once this entire season? Just because like we, we've, right. we've seen a lot of good teams, even really tough teams, you know, have a misfire somewhere. And it, the other team happens to play really well on a night that they don't play very well. And, you know, they, they drop a game or two, right? Um And so you you wondered if that scenario was out there, and and really the table was set with the way that South Dakota State played in that championship game, but and yes, you could make them pay.
0: Yeah, I especially I almost go back to that old adage of well, I, they almost would have been better off dropping one in the regular season, as if they're due for that game, know. but it just does I you know that stuff's kind of silly like no yeah. nobody and yet when they in the regular season, every time they were up against it, they found a way. Yeah. Even against Oral Roberts, which it certainly looked Oral Roberts, hits a couple free throws in overtime or before overtime in that game, they, they, they hand them their only loss in conference play, but mm-hmm. like they just win Oral Roberts left the door open. Like, you know, they're going to, they're going to find a way through it. Like it, that's been all season. Yeah. I think there
1: would have been more intrigue. If Oral Roberts would have played South Dakota State and South Dakota would have played NDSU, yeah, in the in the semifinals, then yeah. that might have been a little bit interesting. But you know that like NDSU is a particularly bad matchup for yep. Oral Roberts and, and same for South Dakota State and South Dakota. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's the fun tournaments, you know, um, not in terms of upsets, but nonetheless entertaining.
0: Well, and the bummer really is where that we're not going to see Rocky Cruiser or Sam Griesel anymore. Tyree Eady in this conference, those are three players that have been through it the long haul with all of us. Um, And so that's a bummer. There's a few, uh, you know, but they're the three that really stand out to me, the three that have, and I know they're all on North Dakota State, but of all of all the teams of players that have played their four years, you know, made some great things happen and we don't get to see them anymore. So, but that happens every year. People will take their place and Mm -hmm. we'll go from there. And
1: speaking of Sam Griesel, he's kind of, um, there's a couple of interviews uh, on him out there and, uh, or interviewing him and he's kind of giving some cryptic answers in terms of what's going on next year. Uh, um, really? no question. He's going to have some options, but it's not a hundred percent. I'm set to go overseas. Interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, there's just a couple of them here lately that, um, maybe it's nothing, but, um, I don't know exactly what that means, um, but it, they were a little more cryptic than I was expecting.
0: Well, and I mean, that and that was certainly we were led to believe that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, like and I the window for for making money playing basketball is is relatively small. And if, if those of us, those of you listening don't think it is, you're you're still in your 20s. Um, yeah. it, your body just can only do that so long. So I get why a person would want to move on. And at the same time, like that's a big chapter of your life that's would be closing that can still stay open. It's hard to leave eligibility on the table. It's hard right. to
1: leave eligibility yeah. on the table. That is very, very abnormal. There right. you you almost never see people leaving elig- eligibility on the table. I mean, Douglas Wilson has two kids, right? And he right. he still yeah. didn't leave any eligibility on the table. He could have went overseas. And so I don't know. I like we just saw Tom Brady wake up and change his mind. It, you know, <laughs> right. the door, the it. What, what I took away from those interviews is that it's not decided exactly what yeah. Sam Greasel is doing next year. And I'm not trying to like break any news, but and I I don't think I'm the only one that saw some of those interviews. But uh, I just wanted to kind of point that out there, being we were bringing okay. them up. So.
0: Yeah. And you know, close circuit to Tom Brady as a person about the same age as you. Like, could you quit playing football? Because when I struggle getting up the stairs because my knee hurts, I'd kind of prefer that you not go play with twenty-year-olds and and make us all look lazy.
1: It's What's just that? just guys being dudes. You yeah. he just wants to hang out with his buddies in the locker room, man. I mean,
0: you know. I, same same thing, I suppose, as as any player moving on that has eligi- eligibility left that isn't the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like that that's a big deal and i mean i'll even be honest in the press conferences after the games when teams had lost you have francis latzis who's done um and we were assuming sam greasel rocky cruiser tyree Eady. i almost don't like asking those guys questions because it's like this is a devastating thing that just happened yeah, yeah. you're you're done playing college basketball and, you know, you still have to, but I, I just, I feel for them. That's a really rough moment to have to leave the locker room 10 minutes later and go answer us goofballs questions.
1: I mean, I'm not trying to stir the pot, but if somebody comes calling that has a pretty good shot of playing the NCAA tournament next year, he it it sounds like to me by the answers he's given, he would think about it.
0: Huh. But, okay. but who
1: knows? Not trying to True. stir the pot. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, all right. Well, let's go to the interview with Coach Henderson and then we'll chat South Dakota State's next opponent. And then there has been some news in the Summit League. We'll probably still have one more podcast once the tournament run is done or if it if it turns into an Oral Roberts type run, maybe we squeeze one in there. Um, But uh, we have some Summit League news to get to as well. Um, that's happened in the last since the tournament ended so let's go to the interview with coach Henderson and then we'll go back from there hi everyone we have a special guest with us today coach of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits Eric Henderson welcome to the podcast
2: well it's good to be with you guys fellas an exciting time of year for us that's for sure
0: absolutely exciting time of year so you win in a weird here's how college basketball is weird you you win the tournament you probably actually get a couple days that you don't know your opponent and all of that, but the work isn't done. How, how does it feel now a couple of days removed from the, from the tournament?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, it, it feels as good today as it did that night. You know, I, I'm just, uh, so proud of our players and, and, uh, our staff too, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of hard work put into it from a lot of different areas and, and, you know, um, just to be able to celebrate with them and, and, uh, Know that hard work, you know, really does pay off. And and uh, to do it around good people and, and a group that's as connected as ours makes it that much more special.
3: And a no, quick question. I, You know, one, one of the things I thought about is, it's funny, we, we sat there on semifinal night, and you guys go out and dismantle a USD team that was probably playing some of their best basketball of the season. And I kind of turned to a few people, and I go, boy, I don't know if anybody can touch them. And then we turn around and watch <laughs> NDSU <laughs> dismantle ORU what was your thought process going into NDSU who played you really tough twice and probably had been as competitive with you in the two previous games. What was your approach? What was your team's approach heading into that championship game?
2: Well, as you guys know, I mean, there's probably two programs that don't know each other as much as we know about each other. You know what I mean? And, And so we, we had a great idea of, of what they were going to do and I'm sure they had a great idea of what we were going to do. And, and so, you know, it was really important for us, Greg, just to, you know, concentrate mostly on us, understand um, who we are and, and, what we need to do. And obviously there's certain areas that we wanted to attack NDSU does such a terrific job of, of not beating themselves and um you know really taking away the three-point shot I mean they're they're, as far as assisted field goals they're in the top 10 in the country and allowing you know fewest assisted field goals so we understood it was going to be a one-on-one game and uh we we do a lot of those same things we probably double team in the post a little bit more but Mm -hmm. um the mind frame was at the end of the day we weren't going to get beat down in the paint and uh we wanted to make sure we own the paint. We understood rebounding was going to be a huge deal. And we wanted to take care of the basketball. Uh, not a whole lot different than the night before. We fought the same thing against uh, USD. But, um, you know, the size of NDSU was something that we thought about a lot. And um, it, it's not easy to finish around the basket against those guys. So we wanted to make sure we were playing selfless and, and, and making sure sharing the basketball. But we, we, we knew, and, and this has been like this for a long time, Offense is great, but when, when it comes down to the, to the <laughs> summit league tournament, when, when you see who's in the finals, guess what? It's usually two of the better defensive teams. And uh, that's what we felt this year. And uh, we just really placed a high emphasis on protecting the paint and uh, the rebound in the basketball. And that's why you saw us double, double team those guys early in the game.
0: Absolutely. Well, I wanted to fo- actually, I want to follow up on that because, There was a 10 game stretch or so where you guys gave up about 65 points a game, which hasn't been, you know, defense hasn't necessarily been what your calling card has been. Has that been a focus this year compared to previous years?
2: Well, it was, there's two things that we really talked about after, you know, getting beat by Oral Roberts last year, you know, you sit down and reflect on your team. We knew we had most everybody coming back, knew we had Zeke Mayo coming in and and Broden Lean and, and felt like, you know, um, that they could, you know, make an impact. With Doug coming back, using his COVID year, we knew it would probably be tough for Broden, but we still felt like Zeke could find a way to help this team out. Um, and one of those areas was uh, guarding the basketball, just, just guarding on the perimeter, um, keeping the ball in front of us, and um, and then rebounding, those two things. And, um, y- you know, so it's something we talked a lot about, um, guarding. And and like I said before, you um, we had a little monkey on our back, you know, and there's a lot of different things, reasons why maybe, you know, Doug's hurt, got beat at the buzzer. You can make all the excuses you want, but we didn't get it done. And um, so we knew we had to make some strides on that end of the floor. And um, I felt like, honestly, since the beginning of league play, I honestly felt like we just kept getting better and better and better on the defensive end and, we became, we became a really, really connected group on that end of the floor. We really started to help each other out and um, playing together. And, and that's, I think, one of the biggest keys to our season.
3: And though, know, we talk about the Wilsons and the Shiremans, we talk about Mayo as a, one of the best freshmen in the league and, and your depth with, with Dentlinger and Apple and, and Mims. The, the two guys that, that are intriguing to me are Easley and Arians as far as their versatility, the intangibles they bring, um, you know, Shireman didn't have a great stat night, but easily steps up and kind of fills the gap a little bit. Talk about those two guys—what they bring to the floor uh, for this for this program.
2: Well, I think that's what makes this group so special. To be honest with you, the number of guys who have have been able to step up on different nights, and um, it was certainly Charlie's and Alex's turn on on Tuesday in the championship yeah. game. I, you know, Alex is such a guy that goes unnoticed like you say Greg he um you know when Mike Dom was a senior he started at the four for us yeah and um guarded in the in the, in the paint and you know we ended up you know lost all those guys and and uh, brought Brandon Key back and Brandon ended up getting hurt um right before league play my first year as a head coach and um we just felt like our team needed a different feel and we decided to you know start playing Alex as the point guard and he's never looked back yeah. he's brought such a calming influence to our team um a no panic situation talk about the big free throws that got that guy has hit in his day it's been unbelievable and and I thought defensively you know we put him on Grant Nelson their tallest player <laughs> and know. uh and he has that experience and like you said that versatility um that that we talk about with Doug and, and Baylor so much he has just as much as those guys when you're talking versatility. So he, he's been, he's been absolute warrior for us, uh, uh, just a calming factor and, and, uh, a guy that everybody on our team just loves. And, but that you can say that about everybody on our team, but, yeah. and then, then you think about Charlie, you know, Charlie starts off at Nebraska and, and is really, you know, he really is kind of a role guy there too. And, and, uh, But he does everything on the defensive end you know talking to their staff you know he was a warrior for him he just didn't make shots for him and for whatever reason it it, is he just wasn't making any shots and he decided he wanted to go someplace where he could have a bigger role and um i had a connection with him and he played with baylor and and um you know it was one phone call and and uh, he decided he wanted to be a jackrabbit and we couldn't have been more elated and and just the confidence that continues to grow with that man, and, and you talk about versatility. I mean, he was guarding Taidi, who's you, you know probably's got 20 pounds on him and, and three inches, and he's a warrior. He he, he rebounds it at high levels. He takes yeah. charges. He um you know and and that, that's not even talking about his offense. You know, he's a good player. He was on <laughs> that team with Baylor and, and a couple other Division One guys on his AAU team. He was their leading scorer. Um, he has a knack and knows how to score. So. Um, Is that always his role? Not necessarily, but he's certainly capable.
0: Well, and Charlie, we had you on our all defensive team, just so you know. Um,
2: (laughs) If I could have voted for him, nobody would have been (laughs) (laughs) higher.
0: I wanted to go back to Baylor real quick. And he, like Greg said, he kind of struggled from the field in the championship game, which is not typical but yet he's just got so much swagger and so much confidence. Is that part of what, I mean, obviously he's skilled, but is that part of what makes him so special? I mean, he goes and hits that step back three. He kind of likes the moment,
2: doesn't he? That was kind of a big one. (laughs) Um, You know, ever since I started recruiting Baylor, I think it's his best character trait. He has great amount of confidence in belief, but it's not in an arrogant way. And, um, he in his willingness and ability to pass also makes it, you know, that much more contagious with his teammates. And, and um, he, he loves to have the ball in his hand, but, but he's certainly capable without it. And so he, you guys have seen us enough. I mean, he plays every position on the floor, guards every position on the floor. And um, he, he's very versatile in, in the confidence and swagger that he plays with. It's fun. And um, that's something that this group does is they have fun. It's one of the last things we talk about before we go out onto the floor every single time, play your tail off and have fun. It's so important to understand it's a game. Um, You're going to make mistakes. Let's not dwell on those. Let's celebrate the successes too.
3: Would would you agree Hendo that, that, that Shireman is one of those guys that every player in the country is going to have off nights from a production standpoint, but, even on his, quote, off nights, he still has the ability to elevate the, the, the play of those around him. Is, is that safe to say?
2: Yeah, I mean, just how he can, you know, pass the ball, rebounds, you know, help defender with his length and different ways that he can help the game. Like you said, if he's not making shots or playing good, doesn't mean he's not being productive. Exactly, exactly.
0: I want to go back one more time and then maybe we'll ask a little bit about what we have coming up here or well, what you guys do what we'll say we because we're all part we, of it it's we, we jump in um, <laughs> at least we're going to say we um, but uh this, the thing that always hits me with watching all the team like I don't know that there's a team with better balance and I wouldn't even say balance and skill set and just that players are willing to fill a role that needs to be filled, even if they could do other things. I think there are players that could start on other teams in the league. Is that something you look at when you're bringing a person in? Is that just part of the culture when they get there? Or is that kind of all of the above?
2: Well, it's probably a little bit of all the above. I mean, you look at you look at guys like Alex and Alex and Matt Dentlinger, these guys have been in our program for five years. And you talk about guys that are sacrificing things and, and they're not scoring or whatever. They don't get all the publicity that, I mean, those are our oldest dudes. And so for guys to be in our program and um, understand that and see great examples that have been set, I mean, that's leadership right there. And, and um, so we're fortunate in that sense. And then It's really important that we celebrate all of our players. It it doesn't matter whether you're one through 13. There's different roles, and those roles can certainly change at times, and they have at times during the season, but that doesn't mean anyone is more valuable than the other. Um, This is a total group effort, and I can promise you everyone on our team feels the exact same way.
3: Hey, uh, Coach, I'm going to jump over to Luke Apple for a second. I I think he's one of the clearly one of the most improved players in the league. And I'm not saying he wasn't good. Just his, I I think he is the best back to the basket guy in the league. I mean, just a guy that says I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be a back to the basket guy. Now, if you want to comment on his improvement and kind of his, him embracing his role. And then also I'm not going to ignore the obvious. He got dinged towards the end of that game. Um, all I was thinking about is I got to believe you're really happy that the summer league is one of the first leagues that are done and everybody else has to play out the next week. So if you want to comment on those things, you go right
2: ahead. Yeah. Yeah. As far as Luke goes and the improvements he's made, I mean, Luke, Luca loves to play. He, he, he has a lot of, you know, the similar swagger that Baylor has, to be honest with you. Um, It's just that he's a, he's a low, low block, player for the most part you know he's certainly you know improved his game and is is becoming more versatile that way but he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much maybe as Baylor does so you don't necessarily see it but his confidence is is terrific his swagger is terrific and um he plays with some emotion which is fun for our team and as far as you know his improvement you know we sat down at the end of last year and we talked about hey you need to take care better care your 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 body you need to change it um, so you can move a little quicker, especially on the perimeter on ball screen defense. And then you need to really do a better job of staying out of foul trouble. And um, and so to, to his credit, he did both. And um, he, he really worked on his game. He, he you know, it was really impressive to see. And, and the pace that he plays with with his back to the basket, it is it is it is. <laughs> Lethal. It really is. If, you know, he has some trouble with some real, you know, seven foot guys sometimes just with that length, but boy, his pace is really, really special. Um, So, and he's been such a huge part for us and you guys know how we've played really for the last three years. Um, We've probably lead the country in you know, post deeds and we play through our posts so much, whether it's Doug, Luke or Baylor or Matt really for the most part, those guys, and to be able to do that um, with that many number of guys is is really special. And Luke, the thing that I really like about Luke, the, la- the other thing we I forgot to mention that we talked about is his turnovers from last year and, and being able to take care of the basketball because he was getting doubled and he was turning it over all the time. And now we want him to get doubled. With our three-point field goal percentage, his willingness to pass, his improvement in that area, whew, that's what we want. <laughs> I mean, we want to let it fly. And so he, he he deserves a ton of credit for really taking those three things in particular to heart and, and making our team better. And obviously he him, himself better as far as his foot goes, we're still trying to find us. We're hope we're hopeful that he's able to play. Um, he'll, he'll dress for sure. It's uh, it's really sore right now. So we'll see how these next couple of days go, but I I'm pretty confident he'll dress and, and very hopeful that he'll play.
3: But it'd be great to
2: hear. Yeah, yeah, certainly, <laughs> he's a weapon. I know, I hear you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One last Summit League tournament thing from me: the, you know, last year there were no fans. I, I was there the couple of years before that, uh, but this was my first time for me, kind of being on the court, and it was so. I mean, what an atmosphere! I, <laughs> you know, people talk about moving it around. I don't know how you could. I, and I get that there's a lot of blue in the crowd. But I, what was it, 65,000 combined fans for the men's and women's tournaments? I mean, what, is there a better atmosphere in mid-major college basketball especially?
2: I mean, you'd have to show it to me because I think yeah. ours is pretty special. And, and you know, it's uh, – I, I was just – you know, when I sit back the last couple of days and think about um, the, the, the target on our back and what our guys accomplished with that target when it kept getting bigger and bigger – and bigger, to be able to stay together and and really not look past one single game, to embrace that moment and to really, and to really just stay in that moment and play together the way we did. Because we were, we I mean, they took NDSU especially took the lead. The last two games of the regular season were battles and uh, to be able to just never panic. With 10,000 Jackrabbit fans that you think if you lose, you're going to let them down. The amount of pressure that our guys had, that, that, that's what probably is their coach and their connectivity is, is just that. that's what makes it special. Obviously, it's an unbelievable environment. And I'm sure glad that 90% of them are cheering for us, but there's a lot of pressure with that too.
3: Well, there is. And, and, you know, when you really think about it, isn't that what these kids deserve to have for an experience is to be able to play in that. But I don't care if you're NDSU or SDSU, no you know, and, and I think that's what they deserve. And I think going back to your point, I watched uh, a good portion of the second half and, and the end of your game at ORU. And it's just amazing the, the composure and the lack of panic that your guys play with. I mean, they, they, they play with a purpose and never feel like they're, Overwhelmed, and it was just impressive to watch that because that was the one. After that one, I'm going as well as Kansas City was playing. I thought that was the hurdle he had to get over was that <laughs> overtime game at ORU So no, that that's to their credit. So and if Todd doesn't mind, now I'm going to think about. I remember uh, you and I are both good friends with Ben Jacobson. You know, Northern Iowa. one year they had a really nice team at 12, and you're going, Gal, it, it's all about matchups in the NCAA tournament. And I remember, I think they drew Purdue. And all I could remember thinking was, oh, crap, Purdue is you and I on steroids. You know what I mean? The exact yeah. same type of team. 100%.
2: You
3: know? And and so I mean, they played them tough. But what, um, you know, what, what's the, maybe this is this is an unfair, and you can just say, you know what, Steven, you're an idiot. I'm not going to answer that question. What's the type of team that you wouldn't like to see?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know it's a good question. I mean, there, there are some size, you know, and athleticism deals that, that, you know, has have thrown us some fits once in a while, but, but I'll, I'll also be honest with you. I mean, you know, one thing that makes this group special is we are, we are versatile in the way we can play too. We, We can play a little bigger. We can play with four guards and we can be really, really efficient both ways. Yeah. And so I I really, I'm not saying we, we can beat anybody. I'm not saying that no, at all. No, I, no, it's, I, it's going I, I, to be really, really hard. And we understand that, but I can say this, Greg, like, I know my group, whoever is on the other side of that bracket will not be intimidated. Yeah. That is, that is one, that is one reason why we schedule the way we do in our non-league. We want to go into some situations where, it's going to be a really, really tough task, but we're going to fight and we're going to compete and we're going to believe in each other. And um, so that's, that's something that I love about this group. I can guarantee you, they think we're going to win. I can promise you that. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and, and I'll go kind of the, the, to the tournament itself. So it was kind of the target on your back for a long time, that 21 game. I'm right on that. It's 21 now, right. Uh, game winning streak. And uh, but now you go to the time of year where there is no such thing. There is only winning streaks. Like once you lose, it's, it's over. <laughs> Does that actually help now that you've kind of had to feel that for a while now? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't
2: think it hurts. That's for sure. I mean, but, but I, like I, like I said before with, with this group, um, it's not that we didn't know about the the streak, obviously that, but, but, but it was never talked about. Like we never set out to win, you know, 21 games in a row. We just, you know, we looked at the next opportunity that was right in front of us and we, we wanted to compete the very, very best that we could. And, um, I think that goes to Greg's point, um, about the ORU game, especially in the second half, like, there's no panic. I mean, there was really no panic. There's, they, they, they have a, a great amount of belief in each other. Um, and, and so that's how we've approached it. Whether it's th- those situations where we, we, it didn't look good for a few minutes there, but, <laughs> but, but, but there was no panic and and it's the same in this situation here. There's not going to be any panic. We're, we're going to go fight the best that we can. We're going to, we're going to try to rebound like crazy. We're going to try to win the toughness plays And, um, and then hopefully we can put ourselves in a good position to win the game.
3: Well, I'm excited for you, Hendo. I, I, I love the the makeup of your team and it's been, it's been, you know, Todd and I kind of had the opportunity to kind of watch it up close. We watched a lot of your road games and and had a chance to do some of your home games this year. And, and I think for all the, the, the talent and experience you have, even though you're, even though technically there's only one guy that, probably isn't coming back that's pretty nice that's nice to have I know you don't want to be thinking about that but you no, know, this this team has continued to grow I think this team has continued to find ways to get better and continually improve it and and it usually takes a pretty special group to do that to not sit there and go well we are who we are um, so I, I think that has to be a good feeling for you and your guys heading into the tournament no matter who it is and so I'm sure you guys have some big watch parties planned, or I think I heard you interviewed with Packer or someone like that, where you're talking about your kids got games on Sundays. Is that right? <laughs> oh yeah, you
2: can't stop being a dad, my man. You got to take <laughs> care of those little ones too. So we'll go watch a little uh, fifth
0: grade hoops and uh, then celebrate at Cubbies.
3: <laughs> that sounds good.
0: Well, awesome coach. We, we told you we'd keep you 15 minutes and I know we're past that. Um, and I just want to say like, this for me is my favorite time of year because well, this is non-conference cause I get to cheer for everybody. And, uh, and so like this time of year, it's just about cheering for the summit league and cheering for the representative last year's run by or- Oral Roberts was awesome for everybody. Cause we all got to celebrate it together. Um, so really looking forward to that um, being able to celebrate you guys win or lose in the tournament coming up.
2: Well, I really appreciate you guys. And, and you guys are such a big part of it and the exposure that you bring for, for not only our teams, but for, for the kids It we, we're really, really fortunate to, to be able to, to have people like you guys that really care about our teams.
3: Awesome. And uh, we wish you the best brother.
2: out. appreciate you money. guys. All
0: right, thank you. All right, well, another great interview with Coach Henderson, lucky enough to have him on twice this year. Every time, you know, we kind of mostly went into talking Summit League tournament. And and at that, when we interviewed him a couple days ago, he, of course, didn't know who the opponent was going to be, what seed they would be, all of that. Um, but just like every time, his energy is just infectious. I, I texted you and, uh, you and Greg after his press conference after they won. I said I'm gonna go dunk a basketball now after listening to his press conference, and I can't have never been within two feet. It just gives you that feeling of like I can go do what anything right now.
1: But, I mean uh, he's just he's just the best, right? Yeah, he's the best. Like and and even say NDSU or South Dakota fans, they'd admit it. I know they wouldn't yeah, admit yeah. it right away, but they'd admit it. Like, come on, he's the best. I,
0: well, you know, I, I tweeted out that my annual will now become annual tweet once we know where a team is playing that it's now time for all of us to be fans of that team. And I knew that would be harder to swallow this year than it was with Oral Roberts for people. Um but even Ross from the Bison Report said I can cheer for Eric Henderson. So Right. He, That's exactly he, my point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, that, that another again, great interview. Um it was really fun to, to just get him on the podcast and, and have a nice conversation with a guy who I – I and genuinely, like, he's a type of guy that I think you could sit down and chat with for two hours and it would be like it never – like time flew by. Like there's no used car salesman type pitch feel from him at all. Yeah, but uh, totally. All Sorry, right.
1: Yeah. Matchup. Providence. Providence yeah. Friars. So – just to kind of set the table here uh, and kind of just give out a lot of stats and, and just sort of set the picture if, if there aren't a whole lot of elite Providence basketball minds out there in the summit league. Um, so basically uh, it, I, 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 I personally love this matchup. I yeah. think, I think this matchup is about as good as uh South Dakota state could have hoped for yep. Um I think I know there's a lot some heartburn out there that oh why are, why aren't we at twelve, you know, it doesn't the matchups more important than what your seating is, um, and so I believe like we were talking I believe Providence is only like a one and a half to two point favorite,
0: yep and yep. I, Vegas, I've seen one and a half
1: yeah I've seen several people hammering South Dakota State already, yeah uh, so I mean like it or not that's a pretty good indication of something that, you know something about big buildings in the desert. But, um, you know, Providence and part of the reason why I like it is Providence. They don't have those NBA players. They don't have like five-star players. They're good players. They're I believe 11 and two in like games that are uh, like four or five less points per game, Mm -hmm. uh, games decided. And so, you know, they Providence has a really weird stat. They like, So Ken Palm has a stat out there that it basically says that, like, if all the key stats are against you, like turnovers and rebounding and stuff like that, but you're still winning, they kind of call it, they they kind of sum it up like sort of like a luck stat. And Providence, for the majority of the year, I don't know if they finished the year there, but for the majority of the year, they were number one in that stat. So um, either they are just unbelievable at making winning plays down the stretch, which could be the case. Or they're the beneficiaries of just some tremendous luck. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably a little somewhere in between. But I thought that was kind of interesting because you look at them statistically and not a lot jumps out at you. Um, Really, the biggest statistical outlier in this matchup with South Dakota State is, is South Dakota State's effective field goal percentage. Yeah, uh, it, it's literally fifty nine point seven percent. And so, if you don't know what effective field goal percentage is, it sort of blends, um, you know, it, it weights three pointers more because if you make one, it's obviously worth more points. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, so let's go to state number one in the nation effective field goal percentage. Um, and and Providence had a really odd year. They had some games canceled, and so they ended the year fourteen and three. Um, Villanova ended the year 16 and 4, and Villano- Villanova beat Providence twice. So yeah. the two extra wins that Villanova has are both over Providence. But because Providence had a couple games canceled, it defaulted to the winning percentage. And so Providence at 14 and 3 had a better winning percentage than Villanova at 16 and 4. So Providence won right. the regular season. So <laughs> I, I thought that was really kind of a, a unique situation. So I just wanted to point that out. But really in, you know, talk about two different types of teams in terms of how they finish the year. you know, South Dakota state hasn't lost in three months, but Providence is one and two in their last three games. They got crushed by 27, uh, by Creighton in the big East tournament. Um, just a really, really odd situation. And then, you know, before then they, they lost to Villanova for the second time. So, one and two in the last uh, three games. So um, they seem to be kind of tailing off, but, um, you know, obviously they're a good team. You know, they've, they've won a lot of good games that Big East style of basketball, I think is actually a pretty good fit for South Dakota state. I would rather see them play a team from the big East than I would from like a par five conference. So Mm -hmm. the the other four seeds out there are, um, what is it? So Arkansas, Illinois, and UCLA. Yeah. I absolutely would take them playing South Dakota state playing Providence over any of those. I mean, you look at just the physical profile of some of those teams. That's what South Dakota state has a problem with. Like when they ran up against Alabama, that type of deal, you know, bigger, stronger, faster type deal. That's where they can run into trouble. That's not necessarily Providence, Arkansas, Illinois, and UCLA are though. Even if you go down to the five, the five line, you know, the, so they beat UConn. UConn's a five seed. But outside of that, I'm not even sure I would take any of those other five seeds over Providence either in terms of who I'd want South Coast State to match up with. Right. So so I do I do like that. You know, I mean, in terms of their personnel, uh, you know, they have Watson, a 6'10 post averaging just under 14 points per game, but he's only averaging five rebounds a game. Um, you know, and then, and then two guards, Durham, six, four guard averaging 13.4 points per game and Bynum five eleven guard averaging 12.7. But I mean, a five ten guard, a, another six, four guard, you know, which one of those guys is taking Baylor, you know? Right. So, um, I don't know. I, like I said, um, you know, th- this one's getting bet pretty heavily. It's getting bet pretty heavily already towards South Dakota state. So, uh, you, you gotta like that. And then you know they they move on if they were to move on, it's Iowa and uh, what was the other team that's is in that bracket? Richmond. Yeah, it, yeah. Which which you know obviously they're they're hot now, but it's all about matchups, right? And it, you know the the matchup with Richmond, they're playing well, but physically it's not necessarily a bad matchup for South Dakota State. So, I mean, m- much like last year, like last year when the when the brackets came out and we saw. Or Roberts draw Ohio state. And I had a chance to watch them play probably four or five times that year. I'm like, that does not scare me at all. Right. And yep. and I really feel the same way about this one. Um, South Dakota state's going to have to play much better than they did against North Dakota state. Um, mm-hmm. But we've seen, we've seen that do, we've seen them do that though. That's not necessarily asking something that they haven't demonstrated an ability to do. So I don't know. Any, uh, any of your thoughts on
0: Providence? Well, and it, you talked about Watson. He's a, he's a real problem. And, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Providence basketball. He's but he's a big guy. But then you have him up against Doug, and I'm willing to bet Doug has a quickness advantage. Oh yeah. And and okay. so and you can put Dentlinger on him like there's then the like you you listed off the guards. They're not overly big compared to South Dakota State. They're one a couple of things that really stand out to me, they are a good effective field goal defense team. They're 40th, but not elite. Mm-hmm. And then they do not cause turnovers. They're 315th yeah. in turnover percentage. Yeah. So like and and South Dakota State doesn't cause many either. But you've got the number one of the most effective defenses in the nation against a team that won't turn them over. That's good, but not, you know, elite in in effective field goal percentage it just like you said it started at two and a half in vegas and it's down to one and a half Mm -hmm. and i can't imagine most 413 matchups i should have looked up the other ones started at two and a half yeah usually every year there's
1: like yeah usually every year there's like maybe one or two that's in that three-point range right um usually not around one point so (laughs) this is um you know, th- this is exactly why seeding doesn't necessarily matter, and it's all about drawing the right matchup. Yeah, so, yeah, so I mean, they, they could for... have yeah, drawn Illinois, and yeah. you want to tell me who's matching up with Kofi Coburn? <laughs> Which Nobody. three guys? No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so like <laughs> that could be a bigger issue, but there's nothing about this matchup that I'm like, I just don't know how they're going to have an answer for this. So right. I, 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 that's, pretty, that's pretty fun. That's pretty cool.
0: Well, and Ed Cooley's been there a real long time with Providence, and they are—they're always a decent tournament team, but they're usually this is probably one of the higher seeds they've ever had. Yeah. They—they're just not a team that typically makes runs. Like I, and the great part—you you don't know where that that game is located, do you? I should have looked.
1: I—I I don't. I should. Might not. be Buffalo,
0: which is their neck of the woods. Hmm. Uh, um. I, but I'm not positive on that. The uh but my point in that being, I mean, if South Dakota State does anything positive at the beginning, 70% of that crowd is is cheering for the 13 seed. Yeah. And it starts to turn the other direction. I you know, I like you said, there there were a lot of South Dakota State fans that were really worried about frustrated, not worried about, frustrated they didn't get a 12 seed. To yeah. personally the seeds don't matter. They just don't. Now, you'd rather be a 12 than a 15. Well, like a 12 and a 13, it's there's no difference. It's all about the matchup. Mm-hmm. And I'd sure rather play I, – I would rather play Providence than Iowa, which when I saw Iowa pop up as the five, I thought that was going to be the matchup. Mm-hmm. And then that ended up being Richmond, and then South Dakota State was the game right after that. Yeah, it, I it, – would and maybe you play Iowa in the next round, but so be it. At least you have a win under your belt if that happens. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, Providence is a much better matchup for South Dakota state than even Iowa. And Iowa's right. a five seed. So, yeah. so, I mean, just in terms of the the, the individual matchups. So, no, I mean, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, uh, th- that's everything you could ask for and not the table set and they, they have to go make it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know i you never predict necessarily a thirteen seed winning, but the the chance is right there, and I don't know that the con, you know since we are a podcast for the whole conference, I don't think the conference could ask for anything better than a chance to win a game again, mm-hmm. and then you win one and you just move on from there yeah. so i I think it really does set up pretty well, like we were pretty excited, like you said last year with Ohio State and and uh, Oral Roberts, this team is better, significantly better than Oral Roberts mm-hmm. and was last year, or, or at least is better, maybe significantly isn't the right word, mm-hmm. and has an easier match or a matchup that favors them better than Oral Roberts did. Mm-hmm. So, it's it, you know, it's there for them. I, I, I certainly hope it would be awesome to be able to celebrate a second year in a row. And frankly, the reason and I had said this a couple podcasts ago, I of course don't cheer against any team in the summit league, but I kind of want the team that's going to get a uh, 13 seed to get in versus a 15 or a 16. Yeah. Cause it gives us the, the league a better chance to win. It just does.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, when you're talking about
0: matching up with the top
1: one or two seed, you know, maybe even three, like, those are NBA players. Right. That's what South Dakota State doesn't necessarily handle well, and but they get to avoid that for quite some time until they play Kansas in the Elite Eight.
0: <laughs> that would be a run. That would be worth yeah every bit of it. And again, why? I mean, North Dakota State's at best a fifteen, if not mm-hmm. probably a sixteen. We you yeah. know on the on the Horizon side, Wright State is in the playing game as the four seed in the in the horizon uh tournament, they were the four seed, so like if North Dakota state or oral Roberts wins this tournament at best a fifteen or sixteen or yeah. or sixteen so
1: yeah. just another step forward for the conference right just another step forward for the conference, getting more and more credibility and you know this is how it's done
0: right well and and they if, if they win a game or two. The, the seeds are going to go up, like they just will. That yep. committee starts paying attention. Hundred percent
1: does, absolutely and,
0: does. And so, like it, it matters. And I know the the hardest team to get Summit League fans to to pull a tiny bit of allegiance for is South Dakota State because they've been really good. And anytime you're really good, that gets harder to cheer for them. Um, but it's in the best interest of the conference for them to win games. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, too, it isn't it?
1: Isn't there a financial bonus to it?
0: Oh yeah, it's, it's several. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yep.
0: So, yeah. Yeah, each school, the yep. conference then gives it out to each school. So, there's financial, yep. there's for legacy of the conference, everything good happens from winning games in this tournament. And yep. they all just felt that from Oral Roberts run last year. So, yep. But I get it. It's it's you know, the, the team that wins a lot, so they're harder to cheer for, but it's it, there's a benefit to it. So, yeah, since now that we both predicted South Dakota State to win, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. we we can move on to the other uh, news of the conference. There's been more than I guess I thought there would be since the Summit League tournament. I'll start with uh, North Dakota. Paul Bruns enters the portal. Any, any, any comment on
1: that? Hmm. Hmm. I, I kind of feel like I'm in a cartoon right now, and I have an yeah. angel sitting on one shoulder and a devil sitting on the other. <laughs> How much truth do I want to tell here?
0: I, um, I horribly, I, I on purpose set that up on a T for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there, there is, uh, you know,
1: as is, this is not unique to UND or any school or uh, in the conference or in the NCAA for that matter. There's a lot that goes on. Right. There's a lot that goes on. There's a, a tremendous amount of tampering um, by even schools in the conference. And uh, I don't think that's breaking any news. Um, you know, there there was a lot in this case. Um, how much of it is directly related to his entry into the portal? Um, you know, kind of the way I can sum it up and just kind of reading the tea leaves is he just. um just didn't want to be a part of the solution. You know, there's, there's nothing happened. Um, it, but he, um, just wants to, uh, he, it, it was very reactionary based on the results of this last year. Right. right. Okay. We understand it. It's a, it was a perfect storm injuries. What have you, you know, it, it wasn't based on how the future was going to look with, him and Eagle staff and Amit and some guys back and Sucre healthy and, and everybody getting better. And it, it ignores the fact of what coach Saylor has done his whole career in terms of player development. And, you know, quite frankly, I think it ignores the fact that the only difference between Paul Bruns uh, last year at this time and and this year at this time is the opportunity to be a part of Paul Saylor's program for a year. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I don't know. i I I'm really kind of conflicted on this situation. Um, I just really, really hope he knows what he's doing. I just, I really hope cause he's a, he's a good kid and he has a promising career. I just, um, you know, th- th- there's a lot that was going on there. Uh, it was probably another story we'll talk about later, but, um, you know, you just, you just don't really know how you exactly sort it all out and, Buddy's in the portal and, um, We'll see uh, we'll see the the situation got a little murkier as the week went on
0: yeah well so i'll I'll be a little uh, I'm not gonna add to what you just said there yeah. um I'll be a little more open so s- since we're talking about potential tampering of players on other teams there another bit of news that's connected to that um Todd sure. Lee was let go at South Dakota yeah. um now, I don't know that that's why he was let go, but that. I think we, I think it's safe <clears throat> to say that it wasn't because of the product put on the basketball court.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Todd Lee is a very good basketball coach. Everything outside of that is why he's not the coach anymore. Right. And it's really too bad. It's really, really too bad because all the other stuff just isn't productive. Like, where does it get you? Like, what at the end of the day, what do we have to show for it? Um, nothing. Right. And, uh, sort of the chain reaction that that has kind of set off is, um, you know, I, I, you know, if Todd Lee wants to tank his own career, so be it, you know, so be it, but it's the assistant coaches and yeah. the players in limbo and the recruits and just the, everything around it. That is what I feel bad about. Um, uh, right. cause there's, there's a lot of good people in, involved in that program. And so, um, when you hear the news of a coach's firing comes from the university president, and not the AD, that's everything you need to know.
0: Yeah, it, that is the the tough part. Is it hits the other people? hmm hmm And yeah, it, that it. <clears throat> causes you know, you, issues there. You got you
1: got coaches scrambling. You got recruits scrambling, you had people making plans and I'm curious to see how long it's going to take for them to fill that spot. You know, I I think, you know, in both the South Dakota and the Omaha situation, the one thing that's in their favor is there is an overabundance of just really, really good coaches out there that all they need is a chance. That's all they need. It's no. it's such a buyer's market for an AD right now to hire a good coach. I mean, it, it's just shooting fish in a barrel. There are so many good coaches out there. Um, so yeah. I, I don't have any uh, reservations or doubt about their ability to replace um, both those coaches. It's just unfortunate that we're talking about it because, um, like we saw, like like we saw last who had the two who had the least turnover last year, South Dakota State, North Dakota State. Where are they this year in the championship game? That's as big of a uh factor in this whole thing as anything else.
0: Yeah, and the and the and the third place team lost O'Banner, but otherwise pretty much stayed pat. It just is the best way to build a program is to con is to to keep your players and build consistency and build a culture. Well, and I mean D- Darren
1: Hansons in the Summit League finals as coach Mills pointed out which I really appreciate by the way I think I thought that was yeah. fantastic. Darren Hansons in the Summit League finals two of the last 5 years all of a sudden four kids make ill-advised decisions to enter the portal it doesn't work out for the kids but it also tanks Omaha and all of a sudden he doesn't know how to coach basketball? Right. Like clearly clearly this was just about a new AD wanting to bring in his own guy which is a stupid concept yep. in the first place but that's basically what it is. And yeah. I hope I hope Coach Hansen retires, continues to coach, does whatever he wants. He's going to have no shortage of opportunities. That's, I think, the good news in all this. You know, maybe, right. maybe it's best for Darren Hansen to be somewhere else. I don't know. Um, we'll see.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, one of the reasons why I, I, I did that quick article on the website is the amount of time coach Hansen has put into the league. Just you can't find a person that has a negative thing to say about him. And same thing, I mean, I reached out to reached out to the school and the school said, "Oh, by all means, whatever you need to do." Cuz I wanted yeah. to get some quotes from the players about their former coach. And the players, I mean, within an hour were responding to me with with yeah. their quotes about the about coach Hansen. So it was an honor for me to be able to do that, if I'm being honest, like for the person that gave so much. So
1: I just, I just appreciate you doing that. I mean, honestly, like, you know, I'm not trying to fluff you up or build you up or anything like that, but like, that was, that was awesome. And, you know, I think how it came together so quickly and and efficiently was part of the story too. You know what I mean? It's not like we're twisted arms to try to put this stuff together. Um, I just really appreciate you doing that. Like I said, there's just not a lot of that out there in the league and there's so many of these great stories and that's why this podcast initially got started. Right. I mean, we're trying to just shine light on some of these really awesome things and there's just not any other, you know, thing that is out there that sort of organizes all this. And um, no, I, I just, I, I personally appreciated it. I loved reading it and I know a lot of people did too including his former players yeah. so I just I just thank you t- for
0: that. Yeah, no it, honestly it was an honor to do it. I it just felt right. I was I started as an article about who's out there kind of article and I'm like that just doesn't seem right and so we yeah. so it changed direction and I think it was the right w- direction to change to. Yeah. Um all right. Well, we're f- 45 minutes in. Um I actually with you when you add in the interview hour and some minutes in Um, so I think we'll kind of wrap up for this week. My hope will be that we have a team that goes on a run and we got to pull something together quick. Um, but if we don't, we'll probably, uh, pull together an end of the season podcast, maybe talk a little bit more in depth about the South Dakota and Omaha jobs. Just kind of what's out there, who, who might be filling those spots. We'll probably have some more, portal news by then it just is what it Mm -hmm. is um and so we'll probably do one at least wrap up the season podcast but until then i think we'll wrap up for now
1: yeah i can't wait uh for the next podcast when we're talking about uh douglas wilson versus philip rebracha in the second round of the ncaa tournament yes so
0: yes yeah just that that would be fantastic and Mm-hmm. And certainly a, a player that the Summit League should have in their hearts as well, because Philip did it the right way when he was here too. So mm-hmm. yep. All right. Well, everybody, we will see you next time and uh good luck to the Jackrabbits.